This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. We have to get used to having people back in this auditorium again. So if they make any noise and it startles me, just understand that's exactly what's going on. I've been speaking to an empty auditorium now for a long time. In fact, people said, why have you stopped telling jokes? Have you ever told a joke to an empty room? It is as, it's about as flat as you can go. So there's this young man in Ohio, gets hungry one night, and he is, uh, he really wants a cheeseburger. No one needs a cheeseburger, he wants a McDonald's cheeseburger. And so his parents, had, they were tired, they were exhausted, they went to bed. And he, uh, so he gets his four-year-old sister, puts her in his dad's van, and they drive a mile and a half to a, a, a local McDonald's for a cheeseburger. Now, that sounds like a normal story, except for the fact that this wasn't a normal young man. When I said a young man, that was a misnomer. He is a very young man. He was eight years old, and he was really hungry, and his parents weren't getting up to get him a cheeseburger, so he actually went on YouTube and took some driving lessons about how to drive a vehicle, got in his dad's van, drove to Mickey D's for fourth intersections a mile and a half. McDonald's thought they were getting pranked until they realized this kid's serious, so they called the police in any way. But he and his sister got to eat their cheeseburgers while they're waiting for their grandparents to pick them up. <laughs> now, I, I tell that story, true story. I tell that story to tell you this. He was a motivated young man. That young man was motivated. He was motivated enough, he was hungry enough that he would go and watch a YouTube video about how to drive a van and then get in there and do it at eight years old. I'm doing, as we conclude our series this morning, we're concluding our series on the road ahead. And this, this morning I want to talk about motivated to move because I really believe there's some things that we're going to have to do to get a little bit more motivated to spin this up again because we've been isolated for two and a half, almost three months. And so we want to get for the road ahead it's going to require action. And that really is one of the keys I want to talk about today, that action is vital. Now, when James wrote in the book of James, he, James is called the Proverbs of the uh, New Testament. Very succinct. He's very direct. And James writes and he says, uh, he says, faith without works is dead. Actually, he says faith without, that word works, don't get caught up in doing work. It's action. Faith without corresponding action is dead. In other words, he said, it has no power. Now, he did not say this. He did not say faith without good intentions is dead. And uh, all of us have good intentions. In fact, usually we, we judge ourselves by our intentions. We judge other people by what they do. But we judge ourselves by what, what's in our heart. And, uh, but, it, but James didn't say that works. He also did not say faith without good words will work. Now, I have to qualify that because I talk a lot about words, but what I'm saying is words that have something in them. Joy and I, years ago, we were at another church and uh, we had some different classes. One of the classes, a singles class we had, we had a lady in there that we got the biggest kick out of because she could say more positive things in a negative way than any person I ever heard. You would, you would say, hey, how are you doing? And she would literally, she'd go like this. She'd go, well, hallelujah. God has given me the victory. I mean, basically what she's saying is, my life stinks right now, but I'm going to say it differently. And I'm going to say, hallelujah, God's... Now, I'd rather, honestly, I'd rather hear her say, hallelujah, God's given me the victory, rather than my life stinks. But there was nothing behind those words. Faith without good intentions, no. Faith without words, no. 
Uh, and so what we find is faith has to have some action to it. And faith has to have something put in place. James said this in James 1.22. I like this. He said, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. So what James is basically saying is this. He said, you know, you can hear things. No, you can hear good messages. I think you ought to hear good messages. But just sitting in church, hearing good messages is not the only thing. Watching online, hearing good messages is not the only thing. We have to take what we hear and put it into practice. Knowledge is good, but applied knowledge is even better. And when Jesus was talking to his disciples one time, and he told them, he said, he said, if you come to me and, and you call me Lord, Lord, he said, but you don't do what I say. He said, I'm going to tell you what you're like. And he, and he began to give the parable of the man who built his house on, uh, on the rock and on the sand. And so the Bible's always been big on action. We want action in this. And so there has to be some action. So one of the, one of the key questions as we, as we look at the road ahead is what action steps are we going to be taking? And that's a good question. What action are we going to be taking? And, and I, honestly, I, I've, I've been at the place where I have drugged my feet and my lack of action hindered things. There was a time I worked for another company before we started the ark. And uh, I was always talking about the ministry and what I believe God had called me to do. And one of my sales managers, he's a good guy, he's a, he's a believer, he's a good brother. He, he said something to someone, it got back to me and it stung me. He said, you know, Alan is always going into the ministry, indicating that I was talking, but I wasn't doing. And I, I remember those words, they stung me, but they stung me in a good way because they began to prompt me. <clears throat> so we were starting to move forward. We had some groups getting together and we were, we were getting ready to do the church, but I'm just kind of dragging along and dragging my feet. So I called Joy one day. Now this is mid nineties. Some of you can remember when um, cell phone minutes cost a lot. And in fact, you could run up a huge bill. And so I just happened to call Joy, and I think I was whining and complaining. And I know y'all know my wife is a super sweet and super, but there's some tiger in this girl. And, and boy, she brought out all the claws for me. And man, she, she just, she, she, she said, Alan, she said, what are you going to do? She said, you remind me of somebody sitting by the pool watching everybody else swim and you won't get in the water. And I remember thinking, and I'm paying for this. This is expensive. This, this is expensive. And, and, and yet her words, her words really, they stung me, but they, they motivated me. And they motivated me to move. And we, we started the ark. No advertising. We just started. But you know, God blessed that action. And he blessed that action, faith without works. We believe God had called us to do something, but we needed to get something in action. Now, talking about a guy today that we've been talking about for a couple of weeks. He's one of my favorite characters in the Bible because he is a great story of progress. His name is Gideon. When we first find Gideon, he's, he's the last guy you would ever pick to be a leader. He's hiding. He's negative. He's negative about himself. He's negative about God. And yet the Lord calls him to be a deliverer of Israel, deliver Israel from the hand of these people called the Midianites. For seven years, they've been under the oppressive hand of the Midianites. And, and so Gideon's called to do that. And he argues and he half steps his way. I mean, he gets going, but now he's reached a place in the story of Gideon where he's got a small army and the whole army of the Midianites and a gr another group called the Amalekites came out against them. 
and God needs to get Gideon going. So we're going to find out as God gets Gideon going, there's some things that will help us get going, but let's take a look at this in Judges 7. It happened on the same night that the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hand. Now he's talking to Gideon. But if you're afraid to go down, go down to the camp of Pura, your servant, and you shall hear what they say, and afterwards your hand shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Then he went down with Pura, his servant, to the outpost of the armed men who were in the camp. So we see Gideon is getting ready. And, and here's one of the first things we notice is we notice that God communicates differently with Gideon. He, he, he speaks to Gideon in past tense. He says, Gideon, I have delivered the camp into your hand. Well, obviously God has a different perspective on this. And, and we see that God's perspective on things, one, it's a lot higher than ours. Two, he sees a lot farther. It's vastly superior. But he talks sometimes in past tense. He told the, the nation of Israel, I have given you this land, even though there were still enemies there. And so what we see with God's communication with Gideon is that God will often speak about things as being done before we see them done. And so this is what he tells Gideon. I've, I've given you this, but I, I love the next part because he, he's worked with Gideon and he's been gracious to Gideon because Gideon has, has kind of pushed back and, and argued. And this time he, he did not want Gideon to be afraid. He said, but if you're still afraid, he said, if you're still afraid, he said, I want you to go down to the camp. He said, you're going to be encouraged when you hear what they say about you. So in other words, Gideon had to hear what the enemy was saying about him. But God knew that would help him. Isn't it great that God knows exactly how to reach us right where we are? And that, that helps us. And so, and he did not send Gideon down there by himself. He sent him down there. He had a servant named Pura. He, he sent him down there. He, he, now, he didn't send Pura to go down to the camp. Pura went with him. Pura was only there to help him. And when Gideon would hear what they were saying, it would, and, and the Lord used the term, strengthen his hand. In other words, prepare him to act, to be stronger. So let's see what happens. When Gideon had come down, there was a man telling a dream to his companion. And he said, I've had a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian and it came to a tent and struck it so that it fell and overturned and the tent collapsed. Then his companion answered and said, this is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. Into his hand, God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. And so it was when Gideon heard the telling of his dream and the interpretation that he worshiped. And he returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. Now, I, I read this story and I'm thinking to myself, this, you know, this had to be God. Because this guy, he, this guy has a dream. It's like I have a dream like a loaf of bread comes into the camp and knocks the tent over. And the other guy said, oh, that's nothing but the sword of Gideon, the son of, where in the world did he get that interpretation? It's just, you know, you see that and you think, oh God, you're working, but it, it, it worked for Gideon and it got Gideon to the place where for the first time you see Gideon do something we've never seen him do. For the first time, he worships. He's done a lot of questioning. Now he worships God. And so he, 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 this Gideon, bless his heart, he, he'd been, 
he'd been so half-stepping through things. He worshiped, and he began to say the same thing. You see, Gideon had argued with the angel. When the angel first appeared to Gideon and said, you're a mighty man of valor, Gideon went, oh, not me. I'm the weak guy. And he said, God is with you. He's like, whoa, whoa, God's not with us or we wouldn't be this in trouble. Three times, Gideon asked for a sign so that he would know that it was God speaking to him. So this is a, this is a shift for Gideon when he worships God. And then he goes back. And for the first time, we hear Gideon saying the very same thing that God is saying. And he told those men, he said, rise, for God has delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. In other words, we got this. We're, we're on the winning side here. Let's go. Now, if you know the rest of the story, if, you, if not, I would, I would encourage you to read. It is a great story. But he divided his 300 men up. They had pitchers. They had lanterns. They broke the lanterns. They held the pitchers up, caused a panic among the Midianites and the Amalekites. And 300 men routed an entire army. And God did some amazing things through someone who simply was willing to act. See, but God had to get Gideon going. Now, if that helped Gideon get going, I believe there's some things in here that will help us get going. And so what's going to help us move forward? What's going to motivate us to move is we need to get going and spin this thing up, not just spin up church. We've got a lot of things that have got to pick back up again. So what's going to help us as we do that? I think the first thing we need to realize is we need to realize that and recognize when we're talking about God, that God's ways are higher. We're dealing with someone who deals on a higher level. In Isaiah, there's a great verse that says, my thoughts, this is God speaking through the prophet Isaiah. He said, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So he's saying that God's, God is saying, my thoughts are higher, they're superior, they're a better way. They're on a completely different level. Now, it did not say we can never know God's ways. God says, my ways are just higher. But as we read the scriptures, as we have his Holy Spirit to help us, we can begin to understand. But the first thing we have to understand is God who deals in a, in a spiritual realm, we don't even know how many dimensions he deals in. But here he is and he's dealing on this level, we're on this level. We need to say, Lord, help us come up. I, as I was thinking about this, have you ever talked with somebody who you could tell was just on a higher level than you and knowledge-wise? A, a number of, of years ago, well, about in, uh, in 2016, Tony Romo retired from being the, uh, the, the, the Dallas Cowboys quarterback. And in 2017, they made him a color analyst for CBS with Jim Nance. And there were a lot of critics criticizing Tony because they didn't think he could do it. And they thought that he just got it because he's a Cowboy quarterback and and high profile. They did not think he could do the job. In fact, I heard a guy saying, oh, Tony's kind of low energy. He's not, and Tony killed it. In fact, the New York Magazine called him a genius at football commentary. And whenever you listen to Tony, Tony Romo would be, I would listen to him. It's like you're getting a whole football education. He's calling what the defenses are. He's telling what the offense is going to do. He's got all these options. And you could tell just real quick that Tony's on a different level when it comes to football knowledge. And now he makes $17 million a year. So Tony's also on another level when it comes to income. But Tony, you can tell, he, he works in higher, that's a higher way. And it caught everybody by surprise. And they're like, whoa, this is, this, he's the highest paid color analyst in the history of football. Higher way. Well, I tell you something, we got a God who's a whole lot higher than Tony Romo. 
and knows everything about everything. And when often what we'll find is just like with Gideon, you know, God will talk with us about things about past tense. He's done this. Remember with Abraham? Before Abraham ever had kids, he said, your name is Abram. He said, I'm going to change your name to Abraham. That's father of many nations. He said, for a father of many nations, I have made you. Before he ever had the kids. I have made you. God can speak in past tense. He told Joshua, and when Joshua was looking at a huge walled city of Jericho, he told Joshua, he said, see, I've given you the city. And yet the very first verse said the whole city was shut up and no one was coming in or out. And God said, I've given you the city. God can speak in, in past tense. He told Israel, I've given you the land. He said, well, that's great for them. He told Gideon, I've given you the camp. That's great for them. What about for us? Well, the great news for us is God said good things about us. He said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. We are blessed. Not waiting to be blessed. God said, I have blessed you. He said, in him, we've obtained an inheritance. We have an inheritance in him. Paul wrote to the church at Rome and said, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. We are blessed. We have an inheritance. We are free. And first Peter, it says, and by his stripes, you were healed. So God still speaks to us in past tense. You say, well, I don't understand that. Remember, higher, here, higher way. The best thing we can do is simply agree with him. Second thing that will help us as we're motivated to move is understanding that God does not want you to be in fear. And he's not the cause of fear in your life. When fear begins to come your way, you, can, you know this. It is not God. He is not the one causing you to, to be afraid. You know, I, I think even that Jesus was so kind to his disciples that whenever they were afraid, he would calm them. It's me. Remember one time he was walking on the water in a storm and they saw him and they screamed. They said, it's a ghost. And Jesus didn't go, oh. <laughs> he went, no, 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 it's me. And he didn't want them to be afraid. You know, after he was resurrected from the dead, he would just kind of pop in places, scare him to death. And he would say, peace. You know, it would be a good thing. It's good that I don't have that skill because I would be popping in on people and scaring the daylights out of them. Just <laughs> a number of years ago, uh, Rob King was, was here and it's a Saturday night. It was late on Saturday night and Rob was speaking for me the next day. So he, he'd come up to his office to study and he was not expecting me to come in the building. If you've never been in this building late at night when there's nobody here, I, I know it's a church, but it can be a spooky place. And and so I walked through his office and Rob didn't see me. And so I actually walked over to, we have all of our offices have a window. And I walked over and I stood right at the edge of the window and I just leaned my head in like that. And I stood there and he looked up and you know, it was dark. All he could see is a silhouette of a man staring. staring. He almost screamed. It was, it was, it was really good. It, aren't you glad I'm not Jesus? Because I, you know, I, I think that's funny. Jesus never did. So he lets us know something right there. Even in small things, he's not the one causing fear in our lives. And he doesn't want you to be afraid. And you know what? He did not send us into this dark world by ourselves. He sent someone to help us. He sent the Holy Spirit who's called the helper. 
So we don't ever have to go to the enemy's camp by ourselves. We got someone right with us to help us and to go with us and to guide us. And when, when uh, Paul was writing and he wrote to Timothy, who was dealing with a lot of negative things, he wrote Timothy in, in 2 Timothy 1.7, he said, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So it tells us something really good, that we have help. It's not God causing the fear. And then the last thing we need to do that will help us is we get motivated to start acting. We've got help. We're agreeing with God. But we're starting to align ourselves with him. It's so important that we come into alignment with him. One of the best ways that we can align with him is, is worshiping. I love the fact that when Gideon finally believed that God was going to help him and God had given him victory, one of the first things he did was begin to worship. I think with a lot of things going on, I had someone stop me the other night and go, what, what do you think about all this, this virus? And this was in the gym and they were asking me, asking me questions and we were telling you, is it the devil? Is it this? And we had a chance to, to talk about this. But here's one thing I know, a lot of questions, a lot of things out there and that's okay. But at some point in time, the questioning needs to stop and the worshiping needs to begin. Because that's one of the greatest connections we're going to have is, a, is a, that connection to worship. There's a lot of things going on I don't always understand, but I do understand this. I know God is good. I know he's merciful. I know his mercy endures forever. I know he's powerful. I know he is the maker of heaven and earth. And he's worthy of all of our worship. And so as we align ourselves with him and we worship him, man, that's a, that's a great motivator because then you begin to get a sense of how big he is. Second thing, the way we can align ourselves with him is we can begin to say the same things that he says. In 2 Corinthians, it says, we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written. I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. We believe and speak. One of the things that will help us more than anything else, especially as things begin to get going in, is for you begin to say this, you are saying the same things about God that he says about himself and that you say the same things about yourself that he says. I gave you some just a few minutes ago. We talk about that we are the blessed, that we are the forgiven, that we are the redeemed, that we are the children of God. It's such a good thing. And so to say about ourselves is something that actually strengthens us and gives us the strength to begin to move forward because we're not second-class citizens. We're not forgotten by God. We're his children and he loves us. And that's such a good thing. So we begin to agree. And when we agree with God, we begin to, to line up exactly with what he's saying. What do these things do in our lives? Well, they help us. They help us begin to get going again. They help us get motivated to move. But Gideon did something I thought was, was really smart. I thought it was brilliant. When Gideon went back to his camp, after he had a revelation that God was going to help him, Gideon said to his camp, he said, arise he says, for the Lord has given in the, the camp of Midian into your hand. And what he did was he didn't say, God has given me the victory. He said, God has given you the victory. And he brought them in to what they were going to do. You know, I, I think one of the biggest challenges that this virus shutdown has caused in America, not just here at the Ark, in America, is it shut churches down for anywhere two, three months. And when churches are, are, are shut down, We've gotten a sense of isolation. 
And here's what happens in that. See, one of the greatest motivators you can ever have is to feel like that you're an important part of a worthy cause. When you feel like what I'm doing is important, that I'm important. And what would happen is when we would come to church on a weekly basis or however you come, just coming together, we would see other believers, we would see what's going on, and we would say, I'm a part of this. And realizing that you're a part of something is important. It's a motivator. So I, re I really want to encourage you. I, I realize that people are at different levels in terms of when they want to come back and, and, and how, how they feel about the virus and the safety things. I get it. I do. I understand. But let me encourage you. If, if you're close by in this area, I want to encourage you to come back because it will, it will help you. When you get back in, you're going to begin to realize, I'm a part of this. I'm a part of something bigger than just my isolated life. I'm a part of God's kingdom. I'm a part of an eternal kingdom. I'm a part of a kingdom that's doing something. And it does something for us. We feel like this is what's most important. They found out that making employees happy is not near as important as making employees feel like they're part of something, a mission. And, and listen, as a church, we have a built-in mission. So I, I just want to encourage you. Come on back. Let's do something in a, in a dark world that needs the light of the gospel more than anything else. It will help you, but it'll also help this community and be a huge blessing. That's how we get motivated to move. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? Now, if you're watching online, most of you are. We're going to say a prayer here. If you've never asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your life, or you did that a while, but you realize I've gotten so far away from God and I want to come back to him. We're, we're going to say a, a very simple prayer. And after this prayer, I'm going to encourage you to click on the, on the button that says that you, that, you, that you prayed with us, or you can text 313131. Let us know that you prayed. We're going to get some information back to you. We're going to pray for you. But if you're away from the Lord and you realize, I mean, I want to come back, or you've never, you're just not sure. I don't, I don't even know if I have a relationship with him. I'm going to lead you in this simple prayer. If you're by yourself, pray it out loud. If you're with others, just pray it quietly, but pray this prayer. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Now, Heavenly Father, I pray for those that prayed that prayer today. For those who've come in and for those who've come back and we rejoice with them and I know that heaven rejoices with them. Great things are taking place in their life and will take place in their life because you're in their life. Father, for those of us who've known you and walked with you, I thank you that you are strengthening us, motivating us, burning into our hearts that we're part of your kingdom. We're a part of something that's important and eternal. And I thank you, Father, that we'll have opportunities to spread this good news all around this community and all around this world. Father, for that, we give you all the praise and all the thanks. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.
Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.